Skeletor. Skeletor. Heard you think you can rap, Skeletor. Come at me, bro. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody and welcome to episode 57 of Comical Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Corbett, and with me is... Miguel Garza, a.k.a. Lord Horstocles, a.k.a. a bunch of other personalities I can't remember anymore. It's the new year, you forgot them all? That's right. We're going to start <laughs> off new. <laughs> Anglicles. I was supposed to be a kinder, gentler Miguel this oh, year. Oh man, we that, that failed the first five minutes of the new year. <laughs> we also have a very special guest today, Mr. Frank Barbieri. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing... Good, and I have to say right now, someone in my apartment building must be like slow cooking beef because it smells delicious. So if you hear me like drooling, I, I like the like utter <laughs> silence, by the way, at that. It's like, yeah, anyway, moving on. <laughs> it's okay. but seriously, it smells so pungently of like delicious meat. I understand that feeling. I mean, I wake up where I live at, live in a small country town, but we have a, a restaurant. And uh, when you walk out in the morning on Saturday, Saturday morning, they're already preparing the all-you-can-eat barbecue. So it just the smell, the air just brings the smell down to you. It's like you bastards. <laughs> a, a few of my favorite words: all you can eat barbecue. <laughs> ours too. <laughs> Have you seen ours? Are you guys? You guys are from Texas. I, yeah, we're from Texas. Where are you? Where are you at? I'm in New York. So your barbecue is probably a lot better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we keep hearing. Well, let's talk some comics. Talk some comics. That's what, we we talk meat now comics. That's right. Yes, <laughs> the important things first. <laughs> What were your top two books this week, Miguel? Well, uh, number two was going to be Men of Wrath number four. Oh, that's uh, Jason Aaron and Ron Garney. Yes. I, I also purchased that. How did you feel about it? I really liked it. Jason Aaron's one of my favorite writers, so I'm glad to see him getting as much work of him out of him as we can. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot, too. You want to talk about it? It's violent. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it's... Well, you remember last last book, you know, the father was chasing down the son. Right. And he was killing people, killed the preacher... And it picks up from there. And the guy is trying to run away with his wife, who has a kid who the he already knows is going to be a boy. And then he decides, you know, i got to take Dad out. Because if I don't, he's going to keep on coming after us. So he goes and I mean, he shoots him. I was like, whoa, he's manning up here. Because remember last week I called him a wimp. Right. <laughs> Not so kind words, actually. But uh, still the dad gets the upper hand on him. And the dad has a change of heart. And like gives him money and tells him to leave. And then, of course, you know the surprise ending there. And you're like, what just happened here? <laughs> Like, holy crap. Jason Aaron loves to throw those prize innings in there. Yeah, I, I should say I, I was confused for a minute and thought this was going to be the last issue a few pages before the ending. And he caught that nice little twist ending here, too, to keep us keep us going. Yep. I'm, I'm still shocked. <laughs> like, come on. Now, now I'm waiting for the next issue. He's like, come on. You can't do that to me. <laughs> I feel like he did an awesome job of that with Scalped in the, in the last arc. I feel like they found, like, that really... Like, what I thought was going to be the last arc, they found another story in there and told an even cooler last arc. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, Jason, Jason Aaron knows his storytelling stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's doing a great job. It's a really good book. Yeah. So, what was your number one, then? Uh, my number one was uh, Deadly Class number 10. Also purchased. <laughs> Rick Remender and Wes Craig. I, I loved that book. It was actually my number one as well. <laughs> 
He craps his pants. I was about to say, yeah, the, the sharding part. I was just talking about that. He needed some dude wipes, man. Dude wipes it is. Woo! <laughs> I mean, I, things okay. got scatological in the new issue of <laughs> <laughs> He slept with the other girl, man. That's the first bad thing he did. Well, he felt guilty about it. The whole beginning of the book, he felt really guilty about all the stuff that happened with Saya. He didn't feel guilty when it was going on. Well, no. <laughs> he started feeling guilty afterwards, and they were like, oh, man, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, he's, you know, he craps himself, and then they go do the job, and then what happens? You know, All hell breaks loose. Man. Karma comes back and gets you. <laughs> I like to note that Marcus smells like shit on the mission as well. Like he doesn't get a proper shower or anything. How uses the guy's shirt? <laughs> Is that my shirt? Fire. Just, I, I feel like Remender really who is one of my favorite writers. He's so 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 good and such a nice dude on top of that. But uh <laughs> he like reinvented the kill your darlings with like have your darlings shit their pants to find, <laughs> to find like what's the worst thing that can happen to a character? I was just like, oh no, and yeah, you know, good good situational comedy. Yeah, great book. So, what was your uh, number two? Since you already told me what your number one was, obviously. Well, my number two is actually Nailbiter from Josh Williamson and Mike Henderson. Yours? Oh fuck, Nailbiter came out today. I did not read it. Oh, you missed out. It was great. I love that book. Yeah, oh, I need to go remedy that and buy it now. They revealed a little bit more about the connections between some of the Buckaroo Butchers. Uh, apparently, this one bus driver has been driving the kids for years and years. Like He's been a bus driver for nearly 30 years, so he's come into contact with several of the butchers throughout, the, throughout his time. And he's starting to see a connection. And when one of the boys on his bus starts talking about the butchers in kind of a fanatical way, he's decided to take it upon himself to take out the kids because he's not going to let another one of them turn into the butcher. So he's going to become one himself, which is kind of a cool twist. Uh, there's also the story going on with uh, Warren and the girl, the, the young girl who oh. like is obsessed with him. No, the, uh, his ex-girlfriend, the cop, the cop. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. The main yeah. There, there's a really twisted part with Warren and her. And then there's another really cool story with the, uh, other cop trying to deal with the B situation from the last issue. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Josh Williamson has created a book where we can refer to something as the bee situation. Not the bees. <laughs> Where's Nick Cage? <laughs> that was Nick Cage. Couldn't tell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't punch Lee Sobieski, so I don't know, you know. That's Nick Cage after The Wicker Man. Okay, okay. <laughs> post, post Wicker Man, Nick Cage. <laughs> How about the part where he licks his, he goes, oh, oh my, and he licks his girl's fingers as he's laying on the bed. Yeah, I mean, that was. That's Warren. And she's like, damn it. <laughs> she knew he was there. <laughs> he can't help himself, you know? <laughs> it's an addiction. Kind of ruling. I'm kind of rooting for the serial killer. What's wrong? There's <laughs> something wrong here. He's still really, like, the cool thing about Nailbiters, you still really don't know what Warren's place is. You don't know if he's still kind of allied with the dark forces of Buckaroo or whether he's turned sides and now he's a good guy and he's going to help the cops actually like fight against whatever is causing the, the serial killers to come around. It's, it's a cool book. I really like it. Yeah. Let me switch it up real quick. I'm going to ask you, what's your pick of the week? Okay, sure. Uh, my pick of the week was actually Ant-Man number one. Ah. Uh, Nick Spencer and Ramon Rosinas. Whoa. Say that name again. <laughs> uh, you know, Ant-Man's not one of my favorite Marvel characters. I mean, I love a lot of B and C listers, obviously. But uh, Ant-Man's always been one of those that take him or leave him. Never particularly written well. At least nothing I've read has been particularly written well. But this particular number one, I really enjoyed. Uh, it's It's funny. It's lighthearted, has Ant-Man going at odds with Tony Stark, which is always great. Uh, and then it has the sentimental kind of stuff with him and his daughter and him making the decision that, that ruins him financially 
but helps his uh, personal life along a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was a huge fan of this book too. Like so much good stuff like going on on so many levels, and and Nick found like such a good voice for him. And, and Nick is no stranger to writing kind of like really good characters with like funny voices. But I feel like here it didn't. I didn't read it as Nick. I read it as Ant-Man. He really honed in on this character and his type of humor and totally, I mean, I knew it was going to be good, so I don't want to say totally unexpected because I think Nick's a great writer, but it was great in ways I didn't think I was going to think it was great. So I think they really nailed that, especially as a number one and with such a big spotlight with the movie. I think, yeah. I don't know. I think it's a really awesome, confident book for everyone to be putting out. And, uh, so much cleverness in it too at the end, like with the phone as the TV in the tiny apartment. Mm-hmm. So great. And I love the commentary on the Hunger Games versus Battle. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd like that. You know, a while back I talked about Deadpool and the good, the bad, and the ugly, and how you know the daughter situation. So I, I found that man kind of like that. I'm um, because you know I have a daughter, right? You can relate. I relate to it, and it really was a really good book. I liked the, the book and how, how he was you know trying to figure his life out, and he was there for his daughter, wanted to be there for his daughter, and he left for his daughter. So it was really good. I liked it, and uh, I definitely will read that. That's a good choice, man. What was your pick of the week? Well, I've been flip-flopping pretty much all night. And uh, since you already chose one, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with Birthright number four. Oh, man, both of Josh's books came out this week. Damn. (laughs) You missed out, man. (laughs) I know. What the? I don't know what I was saying. I, I read digitally this week because I get, get a chance to go to the store, and that's what messed me up. I didn't, like, look close enough. Love this book. I mean, the son is, like, all, like, beast mode and whatnot and possessed by the demon, as we know, but the dad doesn't know. And he's out there looking for the other people he wants to kill, and he's wearing these clothes. He's just massively, you know. And it tells the story of how he fought the, the creatures in the other world. Right, and, a continuation of the last story where they were fighting the giant beast who mm-hmm. thought it had killed, they had killed his, its daughter or whatever. It's huge, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> massive. Uh, but the dad really wasn't paying attention. It was just like he had reverted to being a kid in the dad's eyes again, like immediately. Mm-hmm. And the dad was like, oh, stop telling me your fantasy tale. I want to go and get some beer. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he just completely blew him off, which was kind of weird considering, you know, he's been gone for so long. And now he's back and he's like four times his dad's size. <laughs> yeah. And they get to the house where the guy's at. They want and all of a sudden the dude like, right, oh, they, I know what you really are. They make their first encounter with somebody else from that world in our world. Uh, which was pretty cool. I'm, I'm really excited to read the next issue. Yeah, it's really good, especially when the dude morphed into what he did. Like, oh, here we go, <laughs> Mortal Combat. <laughs> so yeah, so that was my pick of the week. Awesome. Well, what did you read this week that you really liked, Frank? I read all the books discussed except Josh's books, which I now feel stupid that I didn't read. And you know, I did see him talking about them on Twitter. So Josh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go read your books now because I like both of them. But uh, to avoid repeating things you said which I also enjoyed. I did read Odyssey this week, which was wonderful. I feel like it's a very different book, and I love Christian Ward's art. He's such a talent, and to see him take on a project where he can kind of go, like, I don't know, fully, like, psychedelic and really embellish it is really cool. And and to see a very different side of Matt Fraction, I think, as well. Yeah. Like, it's cool how much they've really referenced this and how he is kind of mirroring uh, mirroring the actual form and narrative and text of the Odyssey. Is really cool. I think it's very much unlike anything else anyone's doing right now, as it is does have that adaptation. And then there's again the cool like the gender swap they did. I don't know. I think it's a really really unique and cool book. And I'm so glad to see Christian back doing monthly comics because I feel like he had been tied up for a long time and, and done a lot of covers and stuff. And he's really really just one of the the best new guys out there. So I'm glad to see that. And also 
I want to say the fade out number four. I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, Phillips and Brubaker, yeah. and everything they do is good. But this book, I think, really, they at this point in their careers, they've just refined like their collaboration so perfectly, and it's still always a joy to read. I also think uh, Betty Breitweiser doing the colors is really stepping it up. I think she kind of invented a really cool look for the book with the coloring that makes it just a joy to look at as well. So, Well, now it's my turn to feel like I missed out. Uh, I picked up Odyssey, but it was at the bottom of my pile, and I actually did not get to read it yet. <laughs> Damn, only so many hours in the day. <laughs> right. And uh, the Fade Out, as much as I love Brubaker, I'm reading Velvet right now. I love that series they're doing. Uh, Fade Out, I did not pick up issue one, so I'm waiting for the trade. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you're you're in for a treat, so. <laughs> you know my stance on Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Miguel couldn't really get into it. It was too wordy for him. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I said. It is such a unique take that they really went for it and are doing kind of like a, a very direct adaptation. I can see that, but uh, like I said, man, if, if you like Christian stuff, like he is really taking it to the next level. I love the art in that book. That first issue with that, like, seven-page fold-out. <laughs> I just think we powered through so many comics, and that was at the end of the list. I think by that time I was just too exhausted, so maybe I'll go back and give it a chance, because I've heard a lot of people say it's a pretty decent book, so I'll maybe I'll just... Yeah, it's definitely one of the books you want to read, like, with your full attention, as it is a lot, a lot in there. But uh, like I said, as, as someone who who's really read Inside the Odyssey, it really is cool to see Fraction taking a more academic take like that and actually going in and, like, playing with the actual text, you know. <laughs> as well, you do <laughs> I want to know your take on God Hates Astronauts oh I actually love God Hates Astronauts <laughs> oh, couldn't man. you tell in the back of Five Ghosts number 14 he has and let me say also uh, not only is it a wonderful book and very funny it is also I don't know I, I feel like it is a really unique brand of humor but Ryan who does the book is an absolutely delightful fellow as well so yeah I love that his cat made it into this issue oh my god and he tweets pictures of his cat like wearing this hoodie he bought that i think is like so so funny i can't get over it me neither i absolutely love it and i love god hates astronauts i think it's a great book but some of our other podcasting friends and, and miguel they just can't really get into it the way i do i guess i mean, I mean you like what you like no hate <laughs> I'm wrong. this particular issue i liked a lot of the fight things especially the cow going nuts and just Killing everything and <laughs> killing all the sea creatures. <laughs> and then he sees the sea cow and is like, hello, hello. <laughs> Kills everything else. I'm like, what the hell? Well, it, I, I think Ryan does humor really well because it's not, I mean, yeah, it's like kind of overtly funny, but it's a lot of it's like a really, lot of like really small references and a lot of, I don't know, very, I feel like we grew up at the same time, especially too, and a lot of the stuff that he really gets in there is stuff that was near and dear to me. And I, I also got this whole, other layer as I got to spend a day with him when we did a signing together and grew a new appreciation for, for him and his work. Awesome. But, uh, yeah, I was really glad to have that little mini comic in the back of the last issue of five ghosts to hopefully get the word out to some of our readers about it. Cool. Come on, man. You know, I'm deep, you know, I read stuff like terminal hero and they're not, (laughs) I'm deep. I read all that stuff too, but sometimes (laughs) you just want the story that's crazy and goofy and goes all over the place. Oh, like drum heller. Somehow you need a, you need a tiger eating a cheeseburger or you need, uh, a werewolf orgy. Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Drum heller was awesome. I'll give you that. It was great. (laughs) Oh man. Did you just do that in there again, a werewolf orgy? <laughs> it happened, man. There's, you can't argue it happened. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You can't argue it happened. <laughs> so good. Every comic should have that. 
Why did say that, I didn't say that? Is that your stance? Like, like it might be out of place in Ant Man or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're gonna get the Miami, Miami Werewolf Orgy next issue. I don't know. <laughs> Comics would sell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that's Marvel's mo, but you know. <laughs> Note to self, more werewolf orgies and five ghosts. <laughs> and horses. More horses. Oh, I was like, damn, this is getting, becoming an uh, interspecies orgy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were, uh, uh, since Steve is a friend of yours, a while back we were joking with Steve and we were doing our top fives of the year. And, you know, we did the top five uh, miniseries. Top right? five miniseries of 2014. And, well, Steve's Undertow was number two on both our lists. And we told him <laughs> that uh, we told him that Translucid was number one. And I defended it by saying it had a horse, and Steve was like, damn it, I knew I should have put a horse in it. <laughs> I love Translucent, by the way. That's a great pick. Yeah, it was, was fantastic. Like, we interviewed uh, Claudio and Johnny about that uh, back in May. Oh, that's what, it's just so, so nice. You'd, ne- you'd never be able to tell Claudio was a super famous rock star, right? <laughs> never. We, we, they were laying in their bed uh, Skyping with us. <laughs> it was so surreal. That's awesome. No, I, I had a chance to meet them at a boom dinner, and they were so, so nice, and I... I didn't want to nerd out and be like, oh, my God, Cody can't be up, but <laughs> I kept it strictly comics. Yeah, they were they were uh, my co-host and his wife were really fighting hard because they're big fans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I just recently got introduced to their music. So I'm like, OK, these guys are really cool. <laughs> so I like Yo, he's ridiculously good at guitar. It's like, oh, yes. not right. <laughs> yeah, they're very impressed. It's impressive. So so, so cool. But let's talk about you. Yeah, uh-huh. let's talk about you, Frank. Crickets. come on now you gotta be able to go on this long spiel well let's talk about five ghosts specifically okay since that's your biggest series right now um why don't you tell our listeners kind of the synopsis for the haunting of fabian gray five ghosts is a story that's very much a pulp adventure it's almost in the spirit of things like indiana jones and centers on this kind of treasure hunter thief character named fabian gray who has the unique ability of being able to channel five literary ghosts. So he kind of gets the powers and traits of five literary characters who are Sherlock Holmes, Musashi Miyamoto, uh, Dracula, Merlin, and Robin Hood. And he kind of uses these powers to help him on his adventures. And that's really just the setup. We've really built a huge mythology at this point where uh, issue 15 comes out in about two weeks and we're wrapping that up now and, and we're wrapping up our third arc, with, which is finishes at 17. So uh, it's been really fun. We've grown this really big story with this commentary on kind of where do stories come from and, like, what's their bigger function in the universe, kind of a, a redemption story for our lead, Fabian. And uh, I don't know we're at that point where I feel like we've really kind of created our own internal logic and internal mythology that's just kind of a blast to keep discovering and mining through. Well, we both really enjoy it. Uh, you know, we've been reading since about issue six, and... Uh, can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah, Steve turned us on to it. I'm like, oh my god, oh, this is really thanks, good. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, and I gotta thank Steve for that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a very much a book that comes from an honest place. Like we doing an image as as a lot of people say, we don't have any editorial or any other interference. It's really just me, Chris Mooneyham, the artist, and Lauren Affy, the colorist, who make the issues. So it is a very cool experience to make like kind of garage comics, so to speak. Like just the same way we'd be doing it if we were self publishing it, and have it kind of come out and be. Uh, received so we're really happy people are on board because it's a very very honest book for us and really just our love letter to genre and like action comics oh yeah i love the ghost how did you decide on those five particular type of ghosts it's funny because uh the first one i thought of so when we were like conceiving the book or i was really just kind of thinking of what i want to do with chris next uh 
I knew I wanted to do like a 30s like period piece about a thief. But I was like, all right, he needs to be do be able to do something cool because we're in a comic book space. So like the sky's the limit. He can't just be a normal guy. And the first thing I thought of, I'm like, oh, well, what if he had like really keen like intuition and detective powers? And it just weirdly popped into my head like, oh, what if he could channel Sherlock Holmes? Like he was possessed by Sherlock Holmes or something. And then quickly from that, I'm like, oh, that's actually cool. What if he could do more book characters? And I somehow settled on the number five. And honestly, those were the first five that popped into my head because I was trying to think of what could be functional to like kind of this thief type character. And uh, as soon as I told him to Chris, he immediately did the designs, which are the designs you see. And I'm like, well, you came up with really cool, iconic renderings of all five of those characters. So let's go with that. But uh, it really was thinking about uh, what would be useful to this kind of like thief adventure. Like clearly he wasn't going to channel like Jane Eyre. (laughs) (laughs) Black Beauty. (laughs) (laughs) No, my favorite ghost is, uh, well, I have two of them, uh, the vampire and the samurai. Those, of course, yeah. those are the two that kick the most ass. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, awesome. they're also the two we might go to the most. Uh, I feel like yeah, Musashi gets a lot of mileage with the sword play, which, which is a really fun angle to have, and it really validates <laughs> having our kind of white character know how to fight with a samurai sword. So it's uh, definitely a fun bit to have. And it was cool because we like did the uh, issue six where he went to Japan and kind of hinted that Fabian has kind of traveled a lot and gotten a lot of knowledge. And then the new stuff in the new issue with Dracula has really been a blast to do like delve in a little deeper and kind of, we hear the Dracula co- uh, ghost talk a lot now, which is cool. And he's kind of giving his own agenda, which is something we've kind of shied away from for a bit, but I think it's the time to really show like what the ghost might want beyond just being tools for Fabian. Yeah. It makes me feel like he wants to push the other four out and just completely take over. Yeah. It does sort <laughs> of feel like that. He's about to do some mean back. Cause he's like so freaking evil and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Cause when we were designing the series, I was really just like hyped on the idea of having one of the ghosts be this kind of like scary antagonistic force that only would be used upon like the worst consequences. And I think we've, we've had a lot of fun with that so far. It, it definitely comes through. <laughs> but, with it, but yeah, it, like I said, it, it comes from, the book comes from a very honest place for us. And uh, it's definitely hard to do a monthly book. Like we feel the toll of that from time to time, but it's such a fun book where we can do whatever we want and we constantly uh, inspire each other and keep everyone kind of adds their own dimension. Again, clearly uh, I will write it, but then Chris will always add his own magic. And then beyond that, Lauren will come in and color it and really just, I don't know, seeing it come together is really, no pun intended, a magical process and to be on the receiving end of that. And then I actually letter the book, so Hmm. I always get it back and then get this kind of self-edit at the end and change dialogue. I end up taking a lot of dialogue out, which you probably noticed from the book, because Chris and Lauren just do such a great job with their visual storytelling. And uh, I think it has, it's perfect. The balance is great. I mean, it really is. I mean, your crew is doing an amazing job. Only thing I wish is if it came out every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the, Chris and Lauren would be dead, but <laughs> well, seriously, it, it gets to such a crazy place. Like some of the issues we've turned around in like fifteen days. It's human beings should not be drawing and making art that fast. <laughs> but uh, that's pretty crazy. But it's it's worth it at the end of the day. We're so proud that we're already. I guess issue fifteen. It is that I'm like proofing right now. Fifteen issues deep into a series we created. And in a marketplace where, yeah, new ideas are supported, but so extremely challenging, where we're so, so fortunate to have been able, and again, without humble bragging on it, but what essentially was our first real book to go on this long has been really a gift, so to speak. What I'm going to say is, 
I'm glad that it's gone on this long because if it had been a miniseries, I'd been mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny, and it would have ended the exact same way it did, so it would have just been this inconclusive, like, oh, guess <laughs> there's more coming, never. So. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have a number, or you just want to keep going as long as people keep on getting it? I know how I want the story to end. I mean, but like the final, final ending, and hopefully we won't get there for a very long time. What we're reading now is still really what we consider book one of Five Ghosts, like which we, we won't take any kind of elongated break till we wrap up. But it's always so amorphous and always changing, so we can't really say, but it's a brand we honestly want to be working on our whole lives, if possible. I know that's a maybe hyperbolizing statement to say, but like I said, it's, it's something we made and something that's very honest. And, and I'm a big believer that you can tell when creative teams are having fun on a book. And I just say we'll do the book as long as it's still fun for us. So we're, we're still having fun. <laughs> Update. That's good. <laughs> but, uh, Justin and I both agree it's a great book, and I think it could actually stand the test of time. It probably could go for a long time. I mean, you guys, you clearly can tell that you really are enjoying it. It's great storytelling, great art. It's just all around amazing, and we really do enjoy reading it. Thank and you I, so much. I'm glad it, we started reading it. I felt like an idiot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, no. It, well, it means a lot because, I mean, there's a lot competing for your dollars these days across all of entertainment, so to speak. Easy solution even. for that. Just buy everything. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but, I mean, the big big news we had recently was uh, that we're actually uh, in development at Sci-Fi for a TV show with Five Ghosts. I was getting ready to ask you about that. Okay, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know, you know, if uh, you guys had heard, but uh, yeah, it's it's very surreal and very exciting. I mean, we're really hoping that uh, it'll help us kind of give the book the longevity we want because, like you said, we have our core readership, but it, it's always a struggle when you make comics, again, so so closely with such a small team and with number, like, we do well, but we don't do amazing. Like, again, we all have to have to hustle and keep things together. So it, it's really cool to hopefully get that visibility. And uh, the people all handling the show have really done well by us, and we're really excited about the adaptation they're making. And they get it. They're doing a very true adaptation. They like the source material. And uh, hopefully we will have news on the pilot this month, too. So That's awesome. Because I had read the treatment, and I'm really happy with like the tone and direction they took with it. And I think it's going to be a really fun show. Well, good. I hope it works out. And I mean, if it does, hopefully the, the book will continue for a really long time. <laughs> it's really uh, all we can ask for. Because everyone's like, oh, well, do you want to write the show? Or I'm like, no, I want to write the book. And that's <laughs> the part that we do and have complete control over is what where our head's at. And I don't know, fingers crossed. We, we always are looking for ways to promote and... Honestly, that would be the best promotion we could ever ask for. So, Well, when you're not working on Five Ghosts, you've also done several miniseries, or a few miniseries at least. Uh, we read uh, White Suits. We were both huge fans of that as well. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I was so excited to finally get the trade out in November. And uh, Toby, who drew that book, is an awesome collaborator. I think one of the most exciting artists like working in comics. So to get a chance to work with him was really like on my comics bucket list. So he absolutely knocked it out of the park. And and much love to Dark Horse Comics, too, for letting us do that book in such a risky like way, like black and white and red. Literally, I'd have publishers told me uh, a few years ago, no one would ever do a book like that. So <laughs> I, That was one of the things I loved most about it, is that it was so monochromatic, and then the, the red would just sort of appear when it was relevant. I loved the style of that. Yeah, and, and Toby did everything on that. He drew and colored it, so he's quite, quite a talent, and really kind of gave it that cool visual aesthetic which i always wanted the project to have you know i liked it, it was violent <laughs> yeah it was maybe the most violent thing i've ever written but i 
I don't know. I, I feel like Toby rendered it in such a cool artistic way. And really we wanted to tell the story of this character who gets sucked into this world of violence and, and wants to escape versus the other lead who kind of embraces that violence and wants revenge. And I don't know. I'm, I'm really happy with how it came out looking at it now. It was definitely, it's funny because that, the white suits actually predates five ghosts in terms of like pitching it and coming up with the concept and stuff. And, uh, dark horse actually had picked that up before five ghosts even came out. But, uh, we just went through so many people and took so long developing it. It ended up coming out after it, which is uh, interesting, but was a little bit of a boon because I think more people got to see it because they knew stuff from five ghosts as well. I'm sure that definitely helped. Well, the other, the other mini series you have is, um, black market. Yes. Uh, again, a project I was immensely proud of and, and so, so glad to get to do at boom studios who mm. I love working with and, and really have, I don't know, over the last year, 2014, really, I think done such a good job of establishing himself as a brand that's putting out really exciting, cool content. We actually haven't had a chance to read that one yet. Can you tell us a little bit what it's about? Black Market is about a world where superheroes suddenly appeared and kind of like Watchmen replaced these Golden Age heroes instead of just like one like Dr. Manhattan, actual crew of real superheroes appear. And it's a book about normal people who discover that in the blood of these actual superheroes is a cure for everything. So our main character is a kind of a disgraced medical examiner who kind of figures out he can get his life back on track by kidnapping superheroes and stealing their blood and selling it. Wow, that sounds very interesting. Yeah, we'll definitely be able to oh, it, Thank you. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it was really a love letter to books like Powers, which is one of my favorite books, and, uh, and a lot of Breaking Bad influence as well. But uh, I like to think we took it in our very own way to a different place. And really it was a great project because boom, uh, hooked me up with Victor Santos to work on it. And Victor is one of my, another one of my favorite artists who I never thought I'd get a chance to work with. And he has this awesome, very European style that kind of looks like Darwin cook, but with a lot of like Eduardo Rizzo, like kind of shadows and noir elements. And he just did such an amazing job on the book. I, I really, really love working with him and hopefully we're going to collaborate again soon. But uh, he absolutely killed it. It was the perfect fit to kind of render these, like, superheroes in this really gritty, almost noir-like story. Awesome. The uh, trade is going to be out in the summer, so I'd, I'd recommend hunting down the issues if anyone listening still likes it or uh, thinks it sounds interesting. But I was really proud of that book. It was also one of the uh, most organized, like, tightly plotted thing I've done because we knew we were going to do as a four-issue mini, and there was a really broad timeline we did it in well, well not that broad but we had a lot of like world building and history and want to really tell a lot of backstory about our main character to help readers understand why he would do the things he's doing but yeah I, i'm super excited by it and really hope it has a nice long life as a trade well i can't wait to read it sounds really cool and uh, again it's it's a done in one story too so you get the whole experience instead of just like leaving on a cliff <laughs> cliffhanger that will never be resolved well based on the other books that we have read that you've done and, I mean, just hearing about this one from you now, I mean, you've come highly recommended. I mean, like I said, again, I'll throw his name out there again. Steve told us about you and, you know. Steve, or- Steve Orlando, the man. Yeah, we've known, yes, the great Steve Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we did our little research on you as well, and we know who you are and whatnot. I mean, I can only imagine how good it's going to be, and I can't wait. And we're going to definitely pick it up, and, you know, we'll do our own little tweets, our own little posts about it and whatnot. Uh, so Anything big coming up in the future? Yeah, I mean, I mean thankfully it's been a really good year. Uh 2014 and and hopefully keeping that momentum going i i just started writing avengers world at marvel uh which has been pretty exciting i came on and co-wrote the uh two axis issues with nick spencer which was a blast i didn't even realize you had done that that's awesome 
Yeah, and ironically ended with Cassie Lang coming back to yeah. play, which I knew like months ago and was like, holy shit. Like, uh, excuse me, but. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, no, and now, now I'm taking the book over, which is really exciting for me. Uh, That's I, awesome. I think it starts in February. I've already done a bunch of work, so I'm always confused with that. But yeah, February number 17 is my first official issue. And the arc is really fun because I'm a huge fan of John Hickman's work on the Avengers. And. The storyline in my Avengers World arc is actually filling in the blanks in the time jump that recently happened because they jumped the narrative ahead eight months. Right. So uh, my stories are kind of what happened that resulted in where the characters are at during that time jump. So it's been a very fun and cool and almost surreal experience to kind of write part of a story I really love. Sweet. <laughs> so, how, mu- how much so, freedom have they given you with that? I mean, did they give you a lot of leeway to come up with the ideas during yeah, that period? Yeah, I, I, I had to run them all by, by John, clearly, but... Uh, it was like, well, here are the payoffs. What would you want to do with them? So it was almost the weirdest autonomy to be like, oh, well, I'm a fan of the arc, so I know a lot of the moving pieces, and this is what I think would have happened. And luckily everyone signed off on that. So it was a very, very surreal, fun moment to be able to get in there. It felt like writing fan fiction, like to be able to like go in there and be like, this is what I would have done and and have that sanction. But uh and like always, a lot of work in the most interesting way to like see all the stuff like Jonathan had plotted out and where things were going and make sure that everything made sense and fit in almost between the raindrops. But uh, I feel like he has such great, strong characterizations of so many of those characters, even the ones who don't have a lot of face time. So like uh, a big, the big story here is like it's the rise of Sunspot to kind of create his own Avengers and conquer AIM and then showing Namor like off with the Gabal kind of battling for his soul as he's doing this like largely evil deed of destroying worlds with like Thanos black swan and what's left of the, uh, the black order. Hmm. That's so cool. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, it's very surreal, but I'm really excited. And, uh, Marco Chiquetto, who had done our access issues is drawing it has been doing such great work. Uh, yeah, I like his the, art. The first issue is a little lighter. It's the, it's a standalone story about cannonball and smasher who we saw after the eight month jump have a child that are living on the Shi'ar homeworld. So it's the story of kind of, the love story of them and, and having their kid and having to relocate, which was oddly the most sentimental thing I've ever written, but I, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. And, uh, it was really cool to play with some of Cosmic Marvel. We'll see we'll see some faces in there I think people aren't expecting. I know a lot of you guys go work with Image and Boom and Dark Horse and Dynamite because they give you that opportunity to be free, do what you want to do. But I think it's really cool that Marvel is kind of letting you do a little bit of that. I mean, guys like yourself, I mean, you guys are amazing. I mean, we talked to so many major players from back in the day and they're still writing now and we're kind of like you guys are awesome they should just give you and just let you create <laughs> you guys do i mean honestly we're spending the money out there and you guys are producing some amazing works i mean spend, goes, spend a lot of money yeah i mean <laughs> you, you artists the writers you guys i i hear you with that so I, I am a huge fan of comics and to be able to like kind of participate in that and now in like books that i'm a fan of is really fun and and the only thing stressful about it is knowing that so many people do like these characters and want to be reading really cool, fun, exciting stories. So there's always that fear with it. But I feel like I, I like to believe that helps me motivate myself. And what I said and, and joke with my editors is that, yeah, there are always a lot of problems to solve, but there's always a fun answer like in the Marvel Universe. Like 
you're never like at a loss. You can always bring in something cool or some other element from another kind of book or another kind of series of characters and really find something fun to do. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy. I, I never thought in a million years I would ever write Namor as like kind of this villainous guy. And it's really been a lot of fun. Cool. So any other character that you really want to work on? It's funny because I, I came into comics. I've read comics my whole life. and I'm a huge fan. But I never really thought about, like, I want to write X. Like, I mean, I always, like, had in the back of my head, like, I'd love to do Marvel and DC stuff eventually. And it was crazy this year I got to. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I feel like I like making my own stuff. And, and my dream project, I think, would be to make my own, like, X-Men book. Like, to, like, be able to create my own characters in that universe. Because I think that's such a, a really rich, fun mythology there. Yeah. It's funny that growing up, I... I tangentially read Avengers, but I, it wasn't really until Bendis took over that I really read much Avengers at all, which is why it's funny that's the office I came in through. But uh, hmm. I do really love those characters. I think we've seen so much of them now and gotten so many great kind of definitive takes on like their personalities, like the film universe and stuff. It's really fun to kind of play with characters in that universe because we know how the big players are going to react. So to see kind of these smaller characters take on bigger roles. And that that's really what, with a lot of Avengers world, where we're at, because my... Again, the big players in my story are uh, kind of Sunspot, Cannonball, uh, Namor, who have Hyperion, and Odin's son, the, the Thor without his hammer, which is cool. Uh, and, and again, a trip to write. I don't know. Oh, and there's a Shang-Chi-centric issue, which is really cool, and I'm really trying to dig into some cool Shang-Chi stuff to bring out. Every, every issue that's focused on Shang-Chi in Avengers World so far has been great. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the one the one Nick did where he they have those like splashes with the old like woodcut paintings. He's like, "I am the wind," and when he's fighting the uh, the giant dragon, yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so a high bar's been set there, I have to say. But I, I'm looking to do something very cool with uh, Shang Chi and our issue. Gotcha. All right, since I know you're at Marvel, I'm going to ask something. Who is Thor? I have no idea. I I love Jason Aaron. I read his book. It's funny. My brother just called me today. Uh, and he's like, "Who is the Thor now?" I'm like, I'll "Tell you if I could." I'm sure my I'm sure my editor will knows because he edits that book, but he won't tell me. <laughs> That's no, I know because like, who is this? <laughs> I really like it though. Yeah, I know it's in uh, Russell Dodderman who does the art. I mean, Jason Aaron mm-hmm. always killing it, but Russell doing an amazing job. Such a beautiful book, and Matt Wilson on colors. Like, it is so so great. That's. Again, everything superhero comic should be, my opinion. I totally love your enthusiasm. I totally dig it. I love the fact that you're like such a comic honk and you're like, this is like, you're, you have so I, I much passion. I love it. I don't understand people who work in comics and don't read comics. That always bums me out. It's, it's so weird because we, we have a lot of people on the show and most of them are independent writers, you know, for Image and Boom and whatnot. And we talk to them about what they read and a lot of them, you know, they pretty much only read graphic novels or they only read like a few titles here and there, but very few of them actually read the superhero books. And it is refreshing to hear <laughs> you talk so passionately about not only the independent stuff, but also the uh, superhero stuff. I think it is cool, though, and it does speak to how comics have grown, that you don't have to like anything even remotely superhero. But I feel like for so much of us, that was the entry in. And and for me, it's so cool to see like A-listers like John Hickman or Scott Snyder writing these giant characters and telling such smart, cool stories like about them. Like it, it really is like the best time to be a comic fan, in my opinion. I'll agree with that. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's even so cool that uh, like uh, our comic shop, uh, a guy we had on our show until long ago, he goes to our same comic shop. <laughs> no, no. Just the way he gets his books the same week, like like we do. He goes and gets his books every week. Yeah, Ryan Burton yeah. in Houston. Yeah. 
Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, who did Dark Engine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. He's a, I've never met him, but I've talked to like him on Twitter and stuff and been on email threads. He's always very nice. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a really cool guy. He's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> no, he's, he's a funny guy. Don't give me No, I'm just – I'm sorry. <laughs> like Josh Williamson, that dude's nuts. <laughs> he's a good, good dude, Josh Williamson, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've had so many guys on this show. They're like, oh, man. Just, you know, it's always – it's great. Like I said earlier, it's, you guys got the passion to do it. We have the passion to do this show. And we had another podcast that said that you don't ever want to meet your heroes because, you know, you feel they let you down. I haven't met one yet that has let me down yet. So, well, hey, man, that's so appreciated by me. And I love doing podcasts versus uh, versus just text interviews because those are so cold. Like, there's no personality. And I feel like so many people in comics, like, have such enthusiasm and, and want to talk about stuff. Even some people need to be, like, goaded out of their show a little bit. But everyone gets there. Yeah, I love interviewing you guys. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, and I've also uh, going through. I've been writing Solar, uh, Solar Man of the Atom for the last year. Dynamite, and, right? Yeah, yeah, which has been an amazing opportunity. Something I never even thought would be on the table uh, as far as characters. And Dynamite was kind of bold enough to let me completely reinvent the character. So it's actually Solar's daughter who's taking over as Solar in our arc, which has been really fun. But uh, Versus stuff at Marvel, say, where like I feel like you walk in and you know these characters and it takes so much weight off because you can just focus on telling a cool story, not establishing the character. Uh, Solar's been a bit stressful as we're really defining our character of uh, Erica, who takes over. But I've been so happy with it. And uh, I think we are wrapping up our third arc with issue 12 very soon. And there's a lot of big payoffs that we've been setting up from the very beginning. And uh I know it's been a really great experience and taught me so much about kind of writing long form superhero stuff that coming into the Marvel stuff now, I feel so prepared for it because I've been doing this for so long. And uh, I have a wonderful, wonderful editor named Nate Cosby who kind of took took over the whole line and, and hired all the talent and really worked so closely with us. And uh, he's doing the King Features stuff too, as well as having written many of his own books. And he used to also be an editor at Marvel. So he brought a lot of experience in and he's right here in the city with me too. And we've become good friends and like, again actually get face-to-face time which is nice but yeah no I'm, I'm so so proud of the book i feel like it goes under a lot of people's radars but uh the first trade is out and uh i think issue nine comes out very soon but uh we are thankfully ahead so <laughs> so i know what happens but uh this arc has been really cool because uh the first arc was very much like an origin arc where we have like the misdirect where it seems like it's going to be about normal male solar, but he ends up exploding out of the, at the end of the first issue and irradiating his daughter. And it's kind of the journey of her becoming solar and her dad didn't actually, I'm, I'm like completely spoiling it here. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, her dad didn't actually die. He just kind of gave her his powers and evolved into energy so she can still see him and the backstory is uh, they clearly did not have a good history growing up. She kind of was like the black sheep and her twin brother was the kind of protege who was like smart and good at math. And Erica is more of an arty type uh, free spirit. So it's kind of her learning to bond with her dad because now they're they're both kind of stuck together and they have this power that he's teaching her to use. And, and for me, it's been really cool to explore a character who is a superhero, not by punching stuff. Because she does have this background, she uses the powers in much more clever pseudo-artistic ways to kind of solve her problems. And uh, it's I love, been re- love when writers do that, too, when they take an ability that a character has and use it in creative ways instead of just going for the direct expected route. For me, it was really important to do that, especially relaunching a book and giving a chance to, to come at it from a different place. Because Solar, again, is basically like the proto-Dr. Manhattan, and we get so many stories, many of which are great, but so many stories of just this like omnipotent guy like floating in space who can do anything – 
for me, I really want to humanize it and bring it back to to a character story. And and I think there's something cool about a character who rejects science having these science based powers. The newest arc, though, so the the second arc is about kind of they get trapped in space, Erica and Phil together, and have to work their way back to Earth. And I was really proud of that because I feel like we really see Erica become her own character in it and, and see how her approach to being a quote hero is. But uh, this new arc, we're actually bringing a solar villain out, the villain Eclipse, who's kind of like the anti-solar. He's like solar with a black costume. <laughs> so now we've, we've, we've set up Erica as this kind of pacifist character, and now Eclipse is going to kind of wreck her world, and she's going to be forced to actually engage someone. So it's going to be the a big wrap to arc three, and I think I think it's going to be great, because I wrote it already. So <laughs> and I, I have no I know, doubt that it will be. <laughs> right. I know how it ends, but uh, it it's really been a blast and there's some really cool connective tissue for the whole gold key universe in, in this arc of solar. So it's our first time we really explore the shared universe a bit more. So I think people might get a kick out of that. Man, Marvel DC image, boom, <laughs> dark horse dynamite. What? No love for IDW. <laughs> come on, you don't want to write on lock and key or come on, or, uh, or uh, Star lock Wars. <laughs> lock and key is one of my favorite books of all time. So good. I don't even know what you just said. Star Wars is at Marvel now. It used to be a dark horse. Oh, yeah, my bad. I'm losing my Lock and Key was just Joe Hill, and that's over. I know, but hey, leave it alone. I Th- got think of another IDW book I'm off the top of your head. Say one. On. I got one, and I can't think of it right now. I'm having a brain fart. You put me on the spot. Uh-huh. Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles, Transformers, yeah, I Godzilla. Those. I didn't want to go to those, but I got the Godzillas. You know that. <laughs> the Lock and Key, I have every single issue. I love Joe Hill. Yeah, so good. I Through that, I Gabriel, discovered his... Gabriel Rodriguez, really right? Yeah, yeah, Gabe Rodriguez does art. Look at that, man. Skills. Skills. <laughs> so, are you going to do any work for IDW down, down the road? <laughs> Hopefully. Who knows? I, I'm very open to everything. Like I said, I I'm, I feel very fortunate that I was able to kind of spread out so fast and get something going everywhere. It's really helped me grow as a writer and, and grow my brand beyond being a creator in just one place. I mean, I'll always do books at Image. I'll always do books at Boom. Hopefully, we'll get more rolling at Dark Horse. But it, it's great to just kind of diversify a bit and not just be stuck in one corner. So Justin, it's not my turn. It's your turn. How about you give me a funny story? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, let's see. You knew you were on the spot. (laughs) Yeah. I've been sick for the last couple of days, so I haven't really had much time to prepare for this, but uh, I was... I was having a conversation last week with one of our coworkers, and I was talking about uh, when I first got my old new car, like my original Honda Civic I got back in the late 90s because I bought it for my dad. It was a great car. In great condition, he kept it really nice, kept it really clean, waxed it every weekend. I mean, it took really good care of it, so I wanted to do the same. About a week after I got the car, I was driving over to the comic shop, as I'm prone to do, (laughs) and it started raining really bad. I had a friend in the car with me, and... uh, he said, oh, I want to stop and get some food somewhere. I said, where do you want to go? He said, oh, let's go over to the Wendy's over by the grocery store. So we went to the Wendy's. I was, it wasn't me. Okay. No, this was way before I knew you. Oh, okay. Uh, so we start heading to the Wendy's, and all of a sudden the rain starts turning into hail. And I was like, oh, shit. My car is going to get destroyed. <laughs> like I was so upset. and mm-hmm. It was going to get ruined. Well, we just turned into the grocery store parking lot, and I noticed that the grocery store had those really big sliding doors that opened up. And there was a big ramp that like went up into the grocery store. So being my dumbass, fearless self, I just drove into the grocery store. <laughs> what? Are you serious? Oh my god! <laughs> Completely serious. 
and you know, I also am a huge fan of uh, heavy metal music, so I had heavy metal music blaring <laughs> as I pull into this. What what song was playing? Oh, I don't even remember at this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is years and years ago, but I, I pulled in to the little entryway, got my car all the way in. All these people were walking past me, looking at me like, "What? What the hell are you doing?" All these people were shrugging their shoulders, <laughs> and like some clerk ran off to get the manager or whatever. And my friend was like freaking out, and we just—I was like, "I'm not getting my car destroyed. This is a this shelter. <laughs> what are they, they going to do? Oh my god! What are the cops going to do?" <laughs> and it didn't hail for very long. It hailed for a good three or four minutes, and then it stopped. And I backed my car out and drove away like nothing happened. <laughs> oh. Wow! You drove your car into like an HB or a Kroger. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm not riding with you anymore. <laughs> That was a long time ago. That was young, fearless Justin. I'm a little more uh, skeptical about doing that sort of thing nowadays. Young. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of messed up, man. <laughs> what about you, Frank? Do you have a funny story for us? I, I have a good one. That's pretty weird. Uh, well, not that weird, but... So uh, one of my, my favorite writers is Grant Morrison. And uh, when I first started making comics, I had watched this, like keynote speech he gave at like a uh, disinformation seminar i don't know it was really weird shit like all about like magic and like chaos magic and sigiling and grant morrison went through like the process of how you do chaos magic to kind of get what you want and me being an impressionable like 22 year old i was like all right cool i'm gonna try this so i made a sigil to be successful in comics to which my brother says to me how do you know that didn't work to this day uh, so maybe I magicked my way into comics. But the really funny part of the story is I was a uh, middle school teacher at the time, and I accidentally made my like black magic sigil on the back of a mid-year evaluation that I was supposed to give to my supervisor. So uh, I had to go to my supervisor and ask for a new evaluation. He's like, what happened to the other one? And I couldn't say, sorry, I tried to do chaos magic. On it. <laughs> So, yeah, <laughs> that's how uh, we got here today. Thanks, Graham Morrison. Dark magic, huh? <laughs> Thanks, Graham Morrison, for your blood magic. To, <laughs> to, to let me cheat my way into the industry. How do you know it didn't work? I mean, your brother seems like he's right. You know? I also did want to be rich, and that didn't happen. So <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> that's true. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? <laughs> yeah, prices of comics keep on going up. <laughs> oh, man. Right? Just, yeah. <laughs> Next issue of Five is gonna be fifty nine ninety nine. Digital. Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Five Ghost is uh, two ninety nine in this issue, right? It is uh, three fifty. Three fifty. So. It was two ninety nine, but we kind of bumped it because you know. Because you're trying to become rich. <laughs> because we're actively sigiling for more money. <laughs> we're smart, man. We signed up at the comic book store, so we get a discount. Yeah. But I have, to, I have to say, in defense of our three fifty, we did opt to keep it on the nicer paper, and it does cost us more money, so we make the same amount as our old issues. So that wasn't a greedy move. It was really so we could keep the quality of the issues up at what we're happy with. We're just kidding. You know, 50 cents the, isn't going to break us. For the, for the people. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Justin spends $134 almost every week. Oh, man. You're on my plan. High five. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely an expensive hobby, but it's totally worth it. I mean, I love it. Yeah, they got let, me, ex- let me tell you, I, I feel really stupid because I'll buy all these Avengers issues, and then like later my editor will send them to me and be like, oh, you should check out stuff in this Avengers. I'm like, I bought this already. <laughs> <laughs> 
You should give them away. You should do like uh, free tweets or uh, do tw- you know have your own place and start giving away. You'll get more people to follow you and more people save them all up and give them as a Christmas gift. There you go. <laughs> you cheap. Use, use, them, <laughs> use them as wrapping paper. <laughs> no, better yet, just sign it and send it to us. <laughs> we'll auction it off for you. <laughs> like uh, Avengers number forty, written by Jonathan Hickman, drawn by Kev Walker, signed by Frank Herbert. That's fine. <laughs> just sign it like somebody else. Oh, we we think this is Lou Ferrigno. I don't know. <laughs> so weird how both Lou Ferrigno and uh, Captain Spock signed this. <laughs> hey, we got to meet Lou Ferrigno a while back. Oh, how was that? It was meeting a hero of mine for a long time. It was really nice. It was surreal because he broke he broke our microphone. Yeah, he was like, uh, "Does this?" Move? And he was just <laughs> like, hot, like, "Holy crap!" He just hulked out on us. <laughs> was he like, "Cool microphone? It's for babies." And <laughs> he did give us the best bump we've ever gotten, though. Uh, he was like, "You need to listen to comical podcasts, and if you don't, you'll make me angry." And guess what? You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god! I can't believe Lou Ferrigno just said that. That's amazing." <laughs> shook my hand. He broke my arm. And <laughs> <laughs> And that was that. And that was the time we met Luke right now. <laughs> now I'm lefty. <laughs> that was cool. So what you got up there, Justin? What's next? Some news? Yeah, we got a little bit of uh, comics, movie, and TV news. Okay. Uh, for, what do you want to get first? Give me some comic news. Comic news. Mm-hmm. Uh, they announced this week they're doing an Uncanny Inhumans book with okay. Black Bolt as the main focus of the story. Oh, man. Another book to buy. Yeah. Uh, um, (laughs) well I mean we're both big fans of Black Bolt he's only been kind of a occasional character in the current Inhumans book and I think the regular Inhumans storyline is going to continue with the whole royal family and the whole new Inhumans kind Mm -hmm. of story but then Uncanny Inhumans is going to focus on Black Bolt and what his journey is after the fall of uh, um, (laughs) the city (laughs) Oh my God, Attic! No, what? Attilin? Attilin? Yeah. Oh my thinking, God! I was thinking Atticus, like Atticus Finch. Wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> I was sick. Cut me some slack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Charles Soule and Charles Soule's writing it. Hey, and uh, Steve McNiven's doing the art. They're the team that did uh, the Death of Wolverine. So, Respect. I mean, even though that wasn't the best story, it did look really good. Yeah. Hey. And most of the time, Charles Soule's is amazing. So. Yeah, you know, hi. <laughs> I'm about how it has to look. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. Is he going to get his dog back, or is he going? Is the dog going to stay with Miss Marvel for a while? <laughs> I'm sure Lockheed will play double duty. Okay. He'll be in both. Lock who? You say Lockheed? Lockjaw. Lockjaw. Oh, yeah. Lockjaw will play double duty. New character coming in, humans. Lockheed. Lockheed is Kitty Pride's uh, dragon. dragon. Let me tell you the embarrassment of writing, like, Gladiator. Like, uh, we were talking about Shi'ar characters. Mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, you know, uh, Guardian. And my editor's like, yeah, I think you mean Gladiator. Oh, yeah, I am too. And then, like, I wrote Cannonball's dad into the script, and he's like, you know Cannonball's dad is dead, right? I'm like, all right, need to brush up on my X-Men dad. He's <laughs> coming back. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Explain no that later, don't worry about it. <laughs> I wrote this really heartwarming scene with Cannonball talking to his dad, and he's like, this is a great scene, but his dad's dead. I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh, that is part of his origin, I guess. That's great. <laughs> so looking like an idiot to editorial, that's what the fun you can have at Marvel Comics. I'm sure it's forgivable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just glad that my editors know everything, so it's not like <laughs> we don't have fans being like, hey, idiot. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm sure that would be way worse if the public was like. <laughs> yeah, I remember sitting on an X Men panel years ago, and uh, Nick Lowe was like on the mic and just said, "You know, when Nightcrawler died, and everyone like gasped, and he's like, yeah, that happened a year ago. Thanks for staying current with X Men.'" <laughs> <laughs> That's great stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> so Black Butt, okay, we'll probably pick it up because you know we're big fans of Black Butt. You already said that. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it for comics. Uh, what do you want to do? Yeah. Your wow, that's oh, lame. It was a short week. There wasn't much comic news. Oh, give me some movie uh, news. Ant-Man trailer. Y- y- hey, that's that's number one, Ant-Man <laughs> teaser. Did He's you watch ahead it? of you, man. He's ahead of your game. What's up? Did you watch it? What do you think of it? Well, let's see here. I have to say that it's very interesting. And no, I have not watched it yet. <laughs> I'm such a loser. <laughs> I got no G's on my phone. Leave me alone. <laughs> I, I used up all my internet. I don't have any left. <laughs> I'm sure you watched it, Frank. Yes, I did. I I don't know. I, I was really bummed when Edgar Wright left the project because I love his stuff. But it, I think it does look cool. I think this was a pretty generic trailer they cut, but that's not indicative of the movie. I mean, what, we saw maybe like 3% of it. Yeah. I really like the casting. I think Paul Rudd is going to do a great job and like the production design is all great. So I am cautiously optimistic. But I do think it was a very, maybe even deliberately generic trailer. But people were saying it, it has the same tone and almost like feel of the first Guardians trailer, and I remember people reacting the same way, so... Yeah, I guess that's true. Because people seemed a little bummed, but like I said, I mean, it was a teaser trailer, like, chill out. Like, there's a there lot... Still, there's still a lot of really cool things in it, though. I mean, I, I liked yeah, Ant-Man Shrink Down. Yeah, I the shrinking was awesome, and, and with the ants is cool. And, and even the costume, I think the costume looks really rad. And Michael Douglas, how can you go wrong? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was funny, because I was listening to it, my roommate, uh, one of my roommates watched, he's like, is that Michael Douglas? I'm like, damn right. That's right. Michael Douglas is the comical podcast favorite here. He's going home. <laughs> is he, he going to be on next week? Oh, I would, oh I my would gosh. <laughs> it would be nothing but falling down 24-7. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> my high school English teacher looked just like Michael Douglas from Falling Down. Oh, That's my awesome. gosh. How much is this Coke? <laughs> Man. So, no, I haven't seen it. I'm a loser. I'll see it once the show is over. Yeah, I'll play it for you when we're done. Thank you very much. Next on the movie news, uh-huh. uh, Ed Scrain and T.J. Miller are apparently in talks for the Deadpool movie. All right. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about who they're going to play. Uh, I think T.J. Miller would make a great weasel. Okay. I've read oh, the Deadpool. Is Weasel still in Deadpool? Because I love the Joe Kelly run on Deadpool. Me too. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> and that is one of my favorite comics of all time. It is so funny and so like such just like a good plot too like and i feel like they didn't treat deadpool like a cartoon he was actually like a character but still funny have you read uh and dugan's run yes which i like but i still feel is a little a little too funny for me like i get it but because i have that expectation from the kelly run like i want to see him treated a little more seriously but those are great comics and i the art was great in those too so they do have some really serious tones in some of the issues. Okay, you know, I only read I only read the first arc, like with the president, so I can't judge. You really need to go back and read the Good, Bad, and Ugly. Yeah, that's that's okay. it's it's one of the best arcs Deadpool's ever had. Really? Okay. Well, it, being as you like the Kelly stuff and recommend that, I'm gonna go check that out. Well, he's a hardcore Deadpool fan. I mean, his whole office <laughs> is complete Deadpool. Uh, so he's a great character. I I remember even just seeing him when I was young, like in the Joe Mad like Circle Chase arc uh, uh-huh. story and stuff. Like I immediately was like, "What is this?" And that's why that's why I got into the series when it started with Joe Kelly. That was, it was a weird Marvel launch. That's like when Maverick launched and uh, Alpha Flight launched and uh, 
What were those other books? Do you remember that? Heroes for Hire. Yeah, do you remember that wave of books? There were like ten. I think there was a Quasar book. Yeah, there was Quasar, and uh... I think I have some of the old Alpha Flight issues. <laughs> yeah, I think I do. There, there was a lot of weird titles. Yeah, they were just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. But uh, Deadpool, I have every issue of that run up until it became Agent X. Me too. <laughs> All in long boxes, yeah. But uh, that Kelly stuff I always thought was the best. I love that stuff. I was so glad they put that out in an omnibus. That was very cool. I have not picked up the omnibus because I already have all the single issues, but uh, I do think it's awesome that it's out there. Yeah, someone had the foresight of being like, this was a cool run. <laughs> yeah. Those issues, oh my God, the one where he like, puts them in for Spider-Man in that issue, that is like some of the funniest stuff I've ever read. <laughs> How do you feel about Daniel Way? I like Dan Way's stuff a bit. I mean, like I said, I never really got into it in the same way, though, but I appreciate what he did with it because he he started right when the book relaunched right and he's like fighting super scroll in the middle of secret invasion right yeah i remember thinking like it was fun but just like i couldn't recapture that like same magic well he's the one that made it so cartoony he's the one that yeah he wrote it for a long time too right yeah his his run was 69 issues just like oh the my god first one was but yeah he he's the one that added the extra voices yeah the, the like other caption boxes that was funny i do give that to him but like i said i i just really like carry that torch for the kelly run so much that i'm that annoying fan who's like i wish this was like this again that's somebody i'd love to have on the show is joe kelly oh he'll do it too he's a nice nice dude we need to make that happen (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah tj miller i think he'd be great for weasel okay another guy gonna be taskmaster (laughs) Uh, like taskmaster would be great but he's not actually in the script like i read the the least script a while back oh was it good or i i really liked it yeah I liked it a lot. Was Blind Al in it? No. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, they didn't go deep, did they? <laughs> uh, Ajax is supposed to be the main villain. Oh, really? Yeah, and Garrison Kane. No shit. So I could see um, I could see Ed Scrain playing either one of them. I think that's not Did that. Ajax ever come back? No. <laughs> oh, so wow, that's pure Joe Kelly. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is weird because Daniel Way is a consultant on the movie, but they're really like trying to stick with like the early, early Deadpool story, which I think it's is awesome. funny though because like that that like label can mean anything. Yeah, <laughs> but still, maybe it's like, hey, dude, check out all this Joe Kelly stuff we pulled in. <laughs> all I gotta say is Ryan Reynolds. I mean, he was he's great as Wade Wilson. I mean, he was he was the best part about Wolverine Origins until he became Deadpool. <laughs> he was great as Hal Jordan. Pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Greatest Van Wild. Greatest Van Wilder. <laughs> no, he was good as Deadpool in the only watchable scenes of that film. Yes. Wolverine Origins. In the first like 20 minutes of the movie, he was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> good odds. <laughs> Oh, you have no idea how much he hates that movie this day. Oops, <laughs> oh my god! This podcast. It that, was like that movie was so funny because you remember how like the work print leaked and everyone's like, "It sucks," and everyone's like, "No, it's just because there was no CG." And that's like, "No, it still sucked when it came out." I had that exact same conversation with somebody at the shop, and then uh, I was like, "I'm going to see it anyways. I don't care what you say." Deadpool's in the movie, and then I was so angry. I've never walked out of a movie before, but when the swords came out of his arms, I was like dragging my wife. I was like, come on, we gotta go. I can't take it. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, I, that was some grade A like screenwriters thinking they're smarter than comics. Like, oh, we can make this character a cool combination of all the other mutants. Didn't work. I'm sorry, man. 
It's okay. <laughs> it was 1999 when that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's a quick thought, though. Like, so recently I saw in the news, like, people were like, Sam Raimi admits Spider-Man 3 was not good. It's like, what the hell does that accomplish at this point? It's like, oh, congrats. We really stuck it to him there. <laughs> <laughs> America agrees. That was, that was just my rant. Like, who cares? Like, did someone really need to see that to feel validated? I mean, I'm sure Topher Grace is, like, feeling really bad. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I thought he was the best part of that movie. No lie. Come on, man. Sony wants him back. <laughs> Sony wants him back. No, it was, it was Marvel that said they oh, wanted... Marvel uh, wants him back. There you go. They wanted the original cast back. They wanted to get rid really? of Garfield. Well, when the leaked documents came out saying that uh, Marvel and Sony were in talks to get the rights for Spider-Man back for Civil War... Uh, one of the things that all the Marvel execs were saying was that they hated Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, as Peter Parker. And they did not want him. They wanted to go back to the original cast or else recast the entire thing. I'm just going to say Amazing Spider-Man 2 is maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. And I love Spider-Man, by the way. We were just talking about Wolverine Origins, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I will go out there and say Amazing Spider-Man 2 was worse. That's uh that's a tough call. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, well, Frank is no longer invited on the podcast. No, 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 I'm telling you right now, I love this guy. <laughs> he goes on rants too, like me. Come on, Frank. I'm you're, serious. Literally, we finally, my friend Matt and I, my friend Matthew Rosenberg is also a writer. Like, we went at the like ass end of the movie's like release schedule. Like, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to see this. The first one was kind of bad. I hear this one's worse, but let's just go. And like, I just like audibly was like, oh, during so many parts of the movie. And just like, oh, that whole, like, my dad's underground freaking face. And, like, that's a huge reveal. Oh, my. It was so bad. Literally, a, like, child behind me was like, I like Spider-Man, but that was bad. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yo, if a seven-year-old is saying that, Sony, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry. It was literally tragic that it could be that bad i feel like as a comics fan i'm weirdly defensive about films when they're bad because i feel like jerks will go to the theater and be like see comics are stupid yeah yeah i can see that like the same with Watchmen. i mean i the Watchmen movie was kind of an interesting beast but the fact that like they're like marketing they were marketing it as like based on the best graphic novel of all time and then made that weak-ass movie, I feel like people will go see that and be like, oh, that's as good as comics get? Forget that. Yeah, I, I can see that too. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I hate being that guy who had to be like, no, you have to read it to get it. But, uh, you know, There's I'm very... There's with that, though. I mean, you're, you're a champion for the cause and you're passionate about it. Say, I'm a huge, huge, huge advocate of the medium, even before I was directly involved in it, like, as my job. But, like, I don't know. I feel like comics really gets the shaft in this country and it's not cool. Passion. Passion. <laughs> Franco, please. <laughs> he's, Another one of your brothers? He's, a, he's become a minion. <laughs> I've adopted him. <laughs> I wish you were here so we could bro hug. <laughs> Consider that an internet bro hug. Is that the name of the episode? Is that the bump? Internet bro hug? Is yeah. That, is that the, yeah. That's going to be the beginning? <laughs> Hashtag bro hug. So what else you got for me, man? Uh, the last bit of movie news, Gambit. The movie has a release date now. It's going to be October 7th, 2016. According to my young kids, got the good-looking guy in it. Yeah, I also question that casting immensely. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to dance his way into the movie. I, well, yeah. <laughs> no one ever – I didn't think any casting could make me excited about 
Taylor Hitch being Gambit until that was announced. <laughs> Magic Gambit. <laughs> so stupid. Who, <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like, who? What blind moron was like, "Oh, Jenny Tatum." All right, now, now I'm just raging. <laughs> <laughs> Jonah Hill's gonna make an appearance on the show. <laughs> Who's Jonah Hill gonna play? I don't know. Uh, Kitty Pride? No. <laughs> <laughs> Danger? No. <laughs> Can I, I blob? <laughs> no, they, Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say Fat Jonah Hill could have. He could play self. Cypher? Cypher. <laughs> Wait, is Cypher the Wolverine villain with the metal arms? No, that was Cyber. Cyber. Jonah Hill plays Cyber. <laughs> Maybe he can mask back up and play Mojo. I already told you who had been the best gambler in the world, man. We all know. James Franco. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong it'd be better than uh, Tatum, <laughs> Tatum. That's for sure. yeah. I'm trying to think I, Keanu Reeves <laughs> John Wick Matthew McConaughey all oh right, come all on right. come on now the Cajun accent alright alright that'd be the worst like, gambit ever gambit when are you when did you become 40 <laughs> why are you so much older than Anna Paquin what's going on <laughs> Don't don't smoke those cigarettes, Mona me. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> right, all right. Who's got a cigarette for Gambit? <laughs> Lots of different movies. Let's talk TV first. Right. <laughs> you can't stop laughing. When we, when we get to Matthew McConaughey, Gambit, we're out. <laughs> okay, so they announced when the Daredevil uh, Netflix show is supposed to air. Yeah, who cares? That was huge today, yeah. Uh, April 10th. I'm not watching. Who's playing Daredevil? Thankfully not Ben Affleck. <laughs> There's like a movie that. I can only watch once. He's Batman. <laughs> uh, I can't remember the guy's name who's playing. Uh, Russell Crowe? No, it's not Russell Crowe. Come on. <laughs> Mr. Dale? It's Netflix, man. <laughs> oh, my bad. I don't know. Some no-name guy? Yes. Are we to look it up real quick? Look it up. Okay. Short break. <laughs> Here's a quick interesting note. You have to say appreciate that uh if you look at dc like who's been like quote like killing it in television they like spread all their content out across all these networks and have no control versus marvel who went to uh netflix where they universally retain so much more control as kind of managing their brand a bit more is really interesting to me because a lot of the dc shows feel like they're across the board some are good some are not so good but uh I don't know. I wonder if that's a sign that Marvel is a bit more invested rather than like spreading out, but to worry about keeping their their films curated in a very specific style. I think that's what it is. I think they're just committed to keeping it all in the same universe. Yeah, I don't know what the hell DC's doing. <laughs> but it's yeah, well, well, I, I feel like they found a lot of success in the TV space, which is is great for them as a company. Because again, everything you do just helps brand awareness. But uh. Um, it's just very interesting that they don't have that uniformity of brand, that they just kind of let stuff get placed where it is and and hopefully stuff will line up. Because, I mean, I'm not the biggest DC fan, but it was still very cool to see, like, the Arrow and Flash crossover oh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh, we're yeah. big fans of the, yeah. the shows. Yeah, the fact that that's on TV right now kind of blows my mind, that we're seeing, like, superhero crossovers on television is like, what? It's exciting. It's yeah. great. Because I, mean, I was I was not the hugest Green Arrow fan before Arrow came on TV, but now I love the character. Well, yeah, I famously was like when they announced the Avengers movie, I'm like, that's never gonna work. <laughs> I literally guy. we were at San Diego Comic Con one year. I think it was like 2008 when it was like announced and they announced Joss Whedon, and I was just like, 
there's no conceivable way this can be good. And we got in such an intense conversation about it. Remember, I like stormed out of a room. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, that's how convinced I was the Avengers was going to be a bad movie and was thankfully so proven wrong. Yeah, Marvel knows what they're doing in the movies, that's for sure. Uh, TV, I think they're kind of proving themselves a little bit. Um, Agent Carter was really good. That's what I heard. Yeah, I, I need to check it out. And I've never watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I feel like people have strangely gotten into that as well. Like, I, I liked it from the very beginning. A lot of people didn't. Yeah, I remember seeing some negative reactions, but it grew up, like people really ended up being like, oh, no, this is, is cool. Like, I think people went in with the wrong idea of what the show was going to be. They went in expecting it to be superheroes and yeah, know, costumes and stuff, when really it was going to be all about S.H.I.E.L.D. and like, you know, field agents doing shit to try to stop Hydra, <laughs> which is exactly what it was. And, I mean, they added a little more of the superhero elements to it as it went on, but initially it was all just the agents. Yeah, I love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, I like all the comic book shows. I mean, you like Constantine. I'm just hoping NBC doesn't get stupid and cancels it. <laughs> so who's playing that actor, dude? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the actor... <laughs> You're, like, stumped there for a while. The actor who's playing Daredevil is uh, Charlie Cox. I know that name. I'm not very familiar with, but there's a lot of other good people. Vincent D'Onofrio is playing uh, Kingpin. Okay. Uh, hey, good choice. Rosario Dawson's in oh. there playing Claire Temple. Oh, Jesus. I know you're... you're <laughs> The only way they could have made that worse is freaking, what's her, what's her name, uh, they played uh, from White Man Can't Jump, freaking Fran, Rosie Fran. Perez, that would have made that worse. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Fran Drescher. <laughs> Fran Drescher. That's the same film, Your Mexican Fran Drescher? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Francis Drescher. <laughs> Francisco Drescher. <laughs> nice. That's terrible, man. You're not selling me on this. <laughs> Deborah Ann Wall is going to be in there. Played Karen Page. I actually really like her. She was good in True Blood. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, those are the biggest names I see in the casting list. What, no Joe Pants? No. Damn. No, no McConaughey? Thankfully. Hey. <laughs> McConaughey is Foggy Nelson. McConaughey as, as stick. <laughs> see, I can't see. <laughs> God, Dri- driving his Lincoln like, into stuff. <laughs> see with your ears. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta be blind to truly see. <laughs> Touch oh, his face. <laughs> Look, we got it all figured out now. Eva Skeletor. Thank you, Thank McConaughey. You. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> E-Man. Have them both on the show sometime doing both of back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> and I can be here too. Merman will show up again. <laughs> Hey, we get fired from comics forever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. No. Hope not. So the last piece of news, and this is one that I actually like, uh, is that Liam McIntyre, who played the titular role in Spartacus. What kind of role did you say? Titular. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he, he played Spartacus in Spartacus. Okay. Spartacus. He's going to play the Weather Wizard on Flash. Uh, what? Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold up. I thought that was already taken. Yeah, but Oh, him. this is the movie. No, the TV show. Wait a minute. Hold up. I thought the Weather Wizard was played by our friend. Am I confused there? I'm confused. Okay. You're right. You're right. He's playing Weather Wizard on the Flash. Uh, what? Maybe maybe my news is wrong. Hang on. Oh, my God. All legitimacy out the window. Yeah. <laughs> There's been a leak. You let me throw you down that way? <laughs> Chad Rook, man. That's all I got to say. Our buddy Chad Rook. Yeah, we got to meet him, too. He's pretty cool. Oh, okay. So this is what's happening. He's returning because Chad Rook's character is actually dead. Okay. So... He's going to take the mantle of Weather Wizard since the original Weather Wizard died. Oh, okay. So that's what it is. All right. What a good story right there. 
<laughs> well, uh, you have to admit that was confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Maria Menonosa, whatever her name is. <laughs> extra, extra. <laughs> but again, another Spartacus actor getting tapped for the CW. <laughs> getting what? <laughs> you can't say that on this show. <laughs> it's my show. I'll say whatever. Oh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know our tagline. <laughs> and that's that's it for the news. Oh, that's been that. Oh, okay. So it was Good kind of, kind of an eventful week. Yeah. This has been a great show. Yeah, it has. I was having addictions, you know. I was having, you know, you know what I tell you, I was having uh, You're having withdrawals because uh, it's been like 10 like, days since we recorded. <laughs> I know. I was like, what is going on here? Did we cancel the show? <laughs> We're back. <laughs> back and better than ever? Oh, I can't say that. That's ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's up to Frank to decide. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the best, pack, best podcast you've ever been on, Frank? Back and better than ever. <laughs> he didn't answer the question. I, I heard that. Yeah, it, it is the best. That's our bump. Hey, the best. We just want to say thank you for coming on the show, Frank. It was a lot of fun to talk to you today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much, guys. Sorry it was a little bit of a pain to coordinate, but. Oh, it was no problem at all. It was actually pretty smooth. Okay, yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> was an int- I was just trying to spice that story up a bit. <laughs> just want to remind everybody if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash comical podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Comical Podcast. Miguel is at Comical Podcast 2. Heather's at Comical Podcast 3. And if you want to follow Frank, you can find him at... Atlas Incognita. A-T-L-A-S-I-N-C-O-G-N-I-T. Hey. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, sorry, I received an urgent text message. <laughs> I know because he follows me. Yes. Right. <laughs> Personal victory. <laughs> Score! I uh, want to remind everybody to please go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave us five-star reviews. We're trying to get those numbers up. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say thank you again for coming on, Frank. And Thank you so much for having me. You want to close this out? Yes. Keep on laughing, bitches, despite the fact that Sony Pictures is making movies. <laughs> <laughs>